Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Rogue Report podcast in association with the Sun and Community Soup Kitchen. And you join us this week uh, on the back of a pretty deflating, disappointing loss, another loss for Sunderland in the FA Cup, unfortunately against lower league opposition in Mansfield Town. And I'm joined by a man who was there, Craig Chapman, sporting his lovely dressing gown at this late hour. How are you, Craig? I feel like I've drawn the short straw, to be honest with you. Not only was I subject <laughs> to that performance, I also done the reaction pod and now I'm back again to discuss it in greater detail. So let's just get this on there on with as soon as we can, shall we? <laughs> Yay, yeah, yeah. And also joining us is Martin Wanless from the other side of the globe. Nice and early there, Martin. Is it sunny? It looks sunny. Or are you just in a nicely lit room? You know what? I'm just in a nicely lit room. It's absolutely belting it down. What we're rain? Tipping down. Ah, it's absolutely tipping down. So I don't no, know why, but in my head, I just feel as though it doesn't rain in Australia. I'm just lying on the beach in the sun, lathering yeah. sun cream on. That's it, isn't it? Uh, is that what everybody thinks back past. here? I think that's what you think when you're in Australia. You've got, you've got the beach, you've got the surfboard. And I'm about four hours from the beach and it's absolutely pissing down. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, we're already, we're, already, we're already talking about things other than Sunland, which is sort of going to be a theme here. Um, yeah, so we, we lost in the FA Cup Craig, you were there. I know you went in this in greater detail on the on the reaction pod, you and Paddy. Very passionate little discussion what that was. I'll be honest, wasn't there, so I can't give any great insight. But obviously the result itself was, I mean, when you when you get a cup draw at home against lower league opposition, you don't expect to lose 1-0, do you? I mean, I know we we lost at this stage against Mansfield last year. So really, there should be no surprise that they have got it in them to come up here and get a result. But I mean, the overall performance from what you were, you guys were saying on the on the reaction pod was awful, frankly. And that seems to be the, the what what I've heard across the board. Um, a couple of days out now, do you feel any different about how we played? Uh, no, not really. I think. I mean, honestly, for me, it felt like that was the the worst performance of the week. <laughs> Bearing in mind we've just been battered, really, at uh, two promotion rival candidates, but it was it was absolutely horrendous, and um, I think it perhaps felt a little bit more worse because of the opposition. And you'd say no disrespect to them, um, but I also feel I've, it's a missed opportunity once again for 
you know, some of the squad players to come in and, and stake a claim for a position because they they just failed. And from the word go, I think Mansfield was so much better than us. They outfought us. They outworked us. The decision-making was better than ours. They were comfortable in and out of possession. And, I mean, for, for those who have perhaps only seen the highlights, you could see their goal coming from an absolute mile off. You know, we were far too casual in possession. We had multiple warnings prior to that. They pressed us high. They pinned us in. And it's just becoming like a bit of a blueprint to play against Sunderland at the moment. You just force us into making mistakes, force us into making passes we don't want to, and eventually you're going to get your reward. And I think the most disappointing thing afterwards, what me and Paddy discussed, was that we've just done nothing really of note for the rest of the game. I mean, Broadhead done well to lose his marker. He forced a decent save from a header just before half time. I think Evans had um, a shot which was blocked in late in the second half before Neil hits the bar, but... Like you say, that's it's what's three chances on goal against League Two opposition, twentieth some or something in the league, and you know two of them are coming in a final like ten minute huff and puff, and it's it's just nowhere near good enough. And I mean, look, some of the individual performances, well, I'm sure we'll get onto them later, but some of these lads now they're just they're looking so short of confidence, and it's quite frightening actually. I mean, we've just spent large portions of that game with aimless long balls from the back. We're very hesitant. You've got players arguing with each other and I think what's really starting to look you know kind of evident is that um is that they've had a major shock to the system with the with the Charlton result and I know we had that little reprieve against QPR but those past three performances it's it's really shook some of them and I'll always try to be as measured as I can and you know look in, in the long run perhaps it's not the worst thing to be out the FA Cup but you know, I've followed Sunderland for 31 years and it was genuinely one of the worst performances I've seen. It was it was really that bad. What do you think's causing the, this slide, Martin? Because I think that's the million-dollar question at the minute, isn't it? Like, particularly for Lee Johnson, he's probably still sat now wide awake. I bet he hasn't slept <laughs> since Saturday. Just going over the, the recent performances and games and trying to work out what's gone wrong. What do you put it down to? Because I'll be honest... I can't, I can't put it down to anything in particular, and it, it. I think it's quite a lazy sort of way to address it. But people are right when you look at Johnson's record at Bristol City in particular. He earned a nickname of being Streaky Lee. He went on big streaks of wins and big streaks of losses there, and he was known for it. And this feels a bit like that. And I guess I would say, well, that yeah, this is this is him sort of reverting the type as a manager, sort of going on a, a bit of a bad run, but, I mean, it's got to be deeper than that, hasn't it? You, you've got to look at the players, more importantly. I mean, he's not the one kicking the ball around, right? Well, he's not, but I think, you know, you look back at his managerial career, as you say, especially at Bristol, and this is what he does. We have spells of wins, and we have spells of defeats, and we saw it last season, didn't we? We had that, that horrible yeah, did, run at yeah. the end of the season, didn't we? So it's not the first time it's happened here. It's re- you know, obviously, if, if we had the answer to it, we'd, We'd have um, Kirill on the phone to us asking us to manage the <laughs> the team, wouldn't we? Because I like, would be able to suss it out. But it, it just seems absolutely bizarre that you know one essentially one defeat against Charlton has caused this you know this whole thing to fall like a pack of cards, and it, it has because the performances have absolutely bottomed out. They, they look bereft of confidence. They've got you know as Craig says, people arguing with each other, and you know we we don't seem to have a an answer, and it, it's kind of you get into that situation, don't you? Where you, you kind of don't see where the hell the next win's coming from. 
Yeah. You don't, you know, you couldn't say, none of us could sit here and say with hand, like hand on heart, we are fully confident in going out and beating Ipswich. Where after the Cheltenham game, if the Ipswich game followed that one on Saturday, we'd all be going, yeah, we'll get three points on Saturday. We're playing really well. And for it to yeah. fall in, in the space of a month from that Cheltenham performance, which I think on the site and the player ratings, we gave every single player a 10 out of 10. And that just seems a world away from where we are now. And, you know, we only see the performances, right? We don't see what goes on day to day behind the scenes. We don't see what's happening on you know, individual levels with the players and the coach and staff. So it's, it's really Johnson, Johnson's been key. Sorry to put him in, but Johnson's been key in his interviews before games to point that out as well. Like I noticed in his press conference, he made a point of telling the telling the media that he was late because there were they were in some sort of meeting with the defenders, the defenders trying to work yeah. out. Yeah, and I, and I think he like he wants to get the message across like they're trying to address it, but. Obviously, there's there's something wrong confidence wise that he, I mean he he said it himself, man. Like, yeah, how built rebuilding the confidence of a team of footballers is probably the hardest thing a manager has to do, and he he's gonna have to earn his pennies now. Well, he is, but you know, it's, the question I would have with that is why does it need rebuilding now? Because it shouldn't. You know, if, compared to a month ago, we were high on confidence. So how on earth mm-hmm. does it bottom out so quickly, right? And is it you know is it a case of one defeat and Lee Johnson goes into panic mode behind the scenes and does things that actually don't build confidence back up from a, a, a minor dip and it plummets, you know. But like, one of the most telling things on Saturday was, and I think Johnson said it in his post-match interview about players coming in, in the first half especially, not taking the chance. And he, he made so many bloody subs at half-time, dragged people off, who obviously he felt weren't stepping up to it and weren't in the game. You know, that tells its own story, doesn't it? Because the players who are even coming in now aren't, you know, don't have the motivation, don't look as if they want to take the the, the place. And that's a worrying thing for me because you, you expect the likes of Alves and O'Brien and, and whoever else to really seize those chances. And it's just not happening. So, like, something's, you know, whether something major has happened behind the scenes or it's just the way that, um, the, you know, the coach and staff and the players have responded to, that defeat, whether it's just simply the fact that teams have sussed us out and we were finding it hard to transition to a, a different way of playing to, to overcome that, because teams are pressing us early and getting onto our backs and not allowing us time to play, but we've got to be able to cope with that. And yeah. that's a concerning thing, like. Problem is, though, is that the, the, the thing that I think teams have clearly identified is that we're not very good physically and you can't coach that. Which is what worries me, Craig, is that, you know, we're being exposed from wide positions. I'm I'm not talking about Saturday's game in particular because they had one goal and it was from an individual error by Burge, right? But I'm talking more about recent performances in that we're conceding a lot of goals from similar situations, a lot of crosses from wide headers, balls dropping in the box, set pieces. That points to an issue, one with organisation, um, two with work rate, but three, generally just that we're not physical enough, we're not aerially proficient enough in those situations to deal with big six foot four strikers like Smith from Rotherham, for instance, you know. So that's what worries me is that you can't actually coach your players to be bigger and stronger. You just can't. There are other things we can do, obviously, and that's what he needs to work on. But 
yeah. mean, I can't believe how how easily we've been worked out because that's very basic, isn't it? It's, it I mean, it can't have taken till no well mid October for teams to realise that we're not very physical. I mean, you've only got to look at the team, right? We've we've been out playing physical teams and, and winning handily, but now all of a sudden we're struggling. Yeah, and I think um, you know if you kind of look at the build, for example, of some of the defenders, it's pretty similar um, in terms of they're all kind of big and 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 slim in that respect. I mean, a lot of the young lads, Doyle, um, you know, this is going to be a a bit of a difficult patch for him. This is essentially where he's gonna he's gonna earn his experience as. As Guardiola said when he sent him up here, now now it's it's really um it, it's it's going to be learning the fundamentals of, of basically getting roughed up every single week. Tom Flanagan, he's you know start the season very well and and he's yeah, I don't necessarily want to say he's reverted the type, but he's he's hit a bit of a patch. Bailey Wright, it just hasn't impressed at all, really. Unfortunately, this season minus the odd couple of cup games. Let's not forget though, Craig. He he nearly left right. Bailey mm-hmm. Wright nearly left the club to go to Wigan because clearly at some point we were quite happy to expend him and he's still here and we're expecting him to be able to play to a decent level and I just look at him and I think I mean he's not the player that was signed is he really he's, nah, he's, no, he's regressed definitely not. definitely not and I think if we're kind of just you know looking at an individual performance from him per se the the performance that he turned in on the weekend like I said about these aimless long balls I mean, as a fan, we've only seen Broadhead on a few individual occasions because of injuries, unfortunately. But you know that the best, you know, the best thing that you can get out of him is when he's running in behind people. It's not these aimless long balls. And I think we're just, we're looking incredibly naive at the back at the minute. And there's, and what we're not seeing is, is any leadership. And the irony is, is that, you know, Flanagan and, and obviously Bailey Wright's supposed to be in the supposed leadership group. But you just you can't put your finger on it because you know we've we've conceded a fair few goals now. There hasn't been that many clean sheets, and I mean you look at last season. In in terms of we're fairly strong. Obviously we went in a, a bit of a sticky patch, but by God we didn't have to keep some clean sheets. I mean Lee Burge was heralded for it. He was goalkeeper of the season, and and like you say now I think if I'm in you know an Ipswich player and I'm sat down and and they're they're looking at the video tapes preview in the game you already need to just look at it and think, right, I'm just going to target their fullbacks. I'm just going to make sure I get in behind them. I'm going to whip a ball in and then I'm just going to put a big lump in there and, and get on the end of it. We've got to do something to address that, whether it's a change of formation, I don't know. I'll be honest, in terms of some of these players, I, I think some of them are probably going to be on borrowed time now. We talk about Bailey Wright looking to potentially leave in the summer. I, I think there's a good possibility he could leave in January. I'm not sure about the terms of condition for Alves, but I think if he's hauled off at half time because he hasn't really impressed there, he hasn't featured heavily, there's perhaps a good good possibility that he could go back and I think I think it's pretty clear they're not having him like I, I mean Nah, he's he's not favoured. He's he's it's now November and he's and he's is that his first well no, actually it's not his first start. He's started a few cup games. He hasn't started in the league. But like you've just said, pulled off at half time. to me that says they're not having him. Or if they are, they're just not sure when to sort of throw him in. And you're right. If I was West Ham, I'd be wanting him back. He's better off there than here if he's not going to be playing. Yeah, I think it's pretty telling as well. If you concede five goals at Rotherham, you concede three goals at Sheffield Wednesday as well. And then you come in and, you know, you turn 45 minutes in. Granted, he was at right back. And they still turn around and haul you off at half time. 
I think even as a player, I'm probably speaking to my agent and saying, hey, listen, you know, it's not working out for me. But I think Johnson's already made noises to say that he's got a watchful eye on January. I I think in a bit of a weird way, I know as daft as it sounds, I think the club have perhaps prepared for this. There's no way I can't imagine that the likes of Christian Speakman has not thought we're not going to hit a, a rough patch. I imagine that we've already sounded out the moves that we want to make for January. I think we've got targets lined up and I would be really, really surprised if a, if a big central defender is not is not amongst that list. We we have to do something about it because, look, as bad as the week has been, you know, the, the season's not a complete write-off just yet. There's still so much to play for. I don't want to say the old fabled game in hand line, but like I say, come on, you know, there's there's still so much to play for and as bad as we've been, we're still right in the mix. 100%. Like, I've wrote about this on the site. It'll be up on my editorial on the website. But I think the advantage that Johnson has is that he's managing a League One side. He's not managing a Premier League side. So the ability to pick those wins up is a lot easier than if you're a, a Premier League team. So, you know, we're only really one decent win, decent performance away from the mood flipping again. And I think we're all looking past Tuesday night, but it's funny. And I don't, I don't really want to go too far into it, but it's funny because if we if we win on Tuesday, it'll sort of be brushed off. I know it will. Um, but if we lose, it'll be another stick to beat them with, and um, that's just the way it is. And I think that's sort of the, Johnson knows he's got to deal with it, Martin, doesn't he? He's, he's got to deal with this pressure now. He's under pressure, unbelievably. I mean, there are fans calling for his head. I think I can only speak for myself. As worried as I am about the way we've played recently. I think sacking the manager is the worst thing that you do right now. I just don't think a, a, a knee-jerk reaction to what is a horrendous run of results is what we need. I think the, the lay of the land will be a lot clearer after the international break. And I mean, we'll, we'll not preview the Ipswich game, but Ipswich are coming up and they're a decent, well, more than decent side. They've, they're in some better form, having started the season terribly. And I think it's a game we could probably do without, isn't it, really? But... If we win that game, all of a sudden, everybody's back on cloud nine and, and thinking, oh, things are looking up, you know. We we could end up after that game in third position with a game in hand. And all of a sudden, you're thinking, all right, we're back on track. So that's how quickly things can change, isn't it? It's not like this is now a fate now. If we lose, if we've we've lost our last three in the league, but one more win in the league will will change things significantly, I think. Especially because it's against a decent team. Oh well, if you know, if, if we did pick up three points against Ipswich, which obviously we all hope that we we will, it will will turn around really quickly. You know, the mood and the optimism. But again, like as I said earlier, it's hard to see where that next win's coming from, isn't it? But like going on, like losing a few games isn't the end of the world. Like it's football; it's what happens. You know, we we'll always have a spell during the season where we, we lose a few games, draw a few games and don't pick up up some wins. Like, I was just having a, a little look back through some promotion winning seasons. Like In 95-96 under Peter Reid, we went 12 games and only won one, one game out of those 12. And that was a, a scrappy 1-0 home win over Grimsby. <laughs> and then we followed that up going nine consecutive wins. And then we went unbeaten until the end of the season. Like It, it doesn't consign the season one way or the other by losing a, a few games in a row as disappointing as it has been like even in the 87-88 season under Dennis Smith we won we had a spell where we um, we won one in seven 
And we had consecutive away defeats to Bristol Rovers. I think we got beat 4-0 at Bristol Rovers and 3-2 off Aldershot. Like, it, it happens. And, you know, football's moved on from those days, granted. I think there was a lot more, um, you know, changing your manager back then, even in 95, 96 under Reed, changing your manager back then was a much bigger deal than it seems to be now. And I think, you know, we've been conditioned as Sunderland fans over the past 10 years that come October and November, we'll have a yeah. sticky spell and we'll change the manager. And we'll hope that things get better. We'll hope that the new person will change things around. Inevitably, it doesn't make a, a, a slight bit of difference. And we rinse yeah. and repeat the same cycle over and over again. At some point, we've got to not do that. And, you know, I personally, I, I would be really disappointed in this new ownership, which is still a new ownership. They're under, you know, it's less than 12 months that they've been in charge. I'd be really disappointed if they sacked Lee Johnson now because it would just say to me, well, bollocks all's changed. We're doing exactly the same thing as Ellis Short did, as Stuart Donald did, and we're going to just keep going on this cycle of changing the manager and hoping things will get a little bit better. Now, the ironic thing is that Johnson's probably the most disposable manager we've ever had because of the setup that we've got. <laughs> like, that head coach role is really quite interchangeable because you're not throwing everything out because you've got yeah. Speakman there, you've got the recruitment, you've got the philosophy, and that comes from higher than Johnson. Right, so yeah. the irony in all of this is Johnson's position is the most interchangeable that we've ever had. And you know, you see at Watford, for example, where they change manager more than the change of bloody socks, don't they? But <laughs> I, I'd be, as I say, I'd be really disappointed if we if we did get rid of him now. now look, I think in I can understand why people are going change it because it's been crap on the field for the last three or four weeks. But as you say, it can change round in an instant, and. I think we just have to, you know, we've, we've talked about the need to do something different as a club. Over the past six months, we've talked about, you know, the need to bring youth players through, the need to focus on the academy and all this sort of stuff. And, you know, by do, the consequence of doing that is that these players are going to go through dips in form. Yeah. And we have to, the other thing we have to do different is have patience with the manager. And look, if we go another month and we get hammered every week, then you might go, well, crap, we, we need to change our head coach. It's not chucking the philosophy out the window. It's not chucking the structure out the window. But you might look at changing head coach because things aren't going right. But I think we're a long way off from that point. Where do you stand, Craig, with all that? Because it has been pretty much the theme of... Um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say me... Do you know what it is? I, I, I'm diverse in here, but... It, from my conversations with people in real life, like actual conversations, not online... Nobody's really screaming for the manager to go who I've spoken to. But if you look online, obviously, it's quite prevalent, isn't it? Every, there's quite a lot of people who want rid of the manager. And Martin touched on it there. Like In the past, we've been through bad runs under successful Sunderland managers. Like The other one you didn't mention there was probably Roy Keane, you know, who up until, I think, February, we were mid-table in, in the league and we just went on a mad run where we won the title. And uh, part of me wonders what the reaction would have been like then had there been Twitter and Facebook such a an important part of supporting the club because that's what they are actually the they're important tools for the fan base and um we we see a lot more opinion on the on the club as a whole from from social media and we're probably doing real life conversation and yeah it makes us think are we how much do you actually read into that and the reaction of what's said online I know Johnson touched on this and we won't really go into that at the minute but the, the the sort of reaction to every game seems to be pretty extreme at the minute, Craig, doesn't it? Like and people are right to be angry, but 
at the same time, it's difficult to be measured, isn't it? It's normally one extreme or the other. Yeah, I was going to say a bit of nuance I think is needed. And um, I think the noise on social media is very different from the noise in the stadium. And look, admittedly, at full time yesterday, they were booed off. It's no different to, you know, God knows how many Sutherland games I've been to where they've been booed off. There was maybe two or three people individually shouting for Johnson out. But interestingly, about five minutes before full time, there was a couple of choruses of Lee Johnson's Red and White Army. And, look, you know, it's a cup atmosphere, so you don't expect a great deal. Um, that's not about, the... you, you, it was only you and about nine other people there anyways, Craig. I was going to say it's a small one. and look, I'm, not <laughs> sla- I'm not slacking anyone off and not going. Historically, you know, cup atmospheres are never great. Um, but no, I th- look, I, th- I think you're right. I think social media really does kind of enhance everything. And um, and it, I mean, look look at what we're doing now. Like we've, this this wasn't available when, when Roy Keane was manager, when, when Peter Reid was manager. Course, and you, yeah. and you, you think... In terms of where we are now, Sunderland, I think, are very unique in the sense because there's probably not even many Premier League clubs who have, you know, the, the if you look at like the Sunderland message board, for example, I think that's been going for, what, like 20 years. I mean, that is still as active as ever. You've got outlets like Love Supreme who have been going for 30 years. You've got podcasts like us, you are Wise Men Say, you've got Speak Sunderland, you've got the YouTube channels. You've got the fans react, SCFC fan TV. So it's it's basically it's like it's everywhere, isn't it? So if you turn your phone yeah. on, there is someone reacting to Sunderland news everywhere, absolutely everywhere. And you might not agree with it all, but that being said, everybody's entitled to their opinion. Football is subjective. But for me at the minute, I'm I'm still very much, you know, of the belief that I, I genuinely think Johnson can get us promoted. I know it's been a horrific week, two weeks if you look at the Charlton game as well. However, I think we all came out of the Charlton game a little bit sort of, of a difference of, of, of an opinion about that particular defeat because there was, you know, some poor refereeing in there. Um, but we still thought perhaps, look, this is a blip. But I don't think we've become a bad side overnight. I don't think Lee Johnson has become a bad head coach, bad manager overnight because I think the easy thing to do now is just go, well, look, you know, we've lost three or four in a row or what have you. But it, it's dismissing all of the good work that we've done at the start of the season. You've got to look at the teams in and around us. People are talking about how good Wigan are. We beat them twice this season already comfortably. We hammered Wigan at home. Like I said, I can only speak for myself. I understand everybody's frustrations. If you put your money in, then by all means, you've got yeah, you've got a valid claim to say whatever the hell you want. But I, I think Martin pretty much hit the nail on the head for me. We've been in this cycle for so long now. It's rinse and repeat. And I think that that is such a contributing factor to where we are that we just had had not learned from our mistakes. Let's say we sack him now and maybe we've already got a plan for January. We'll rip that up because the new manager is going to come in and he's not going to know much about his side. And then all of a sudden he's going to want January transfer targets and it's just going to throw a big spanner in the works. And interestingly, something that came back to memory earlier was um, was the podcast we'd done with the Peterborough chairman last, last year, Darren McAnthony. And he turned around and said, if you sack your manager, if you sack your head coach, at any point during your season, you might as well be writing your season off. I don't think it's as extreme as that, but I think if it was the case that we were to dismiss him now, it wouldn't fix things immediately, as people may be thinking. I've seen calls for Neil Warnock. He's, what, 72, 73-year-old? <laughs> we're looking for a long-term plan. We're looking for somebody to try and take us through the divisions. We're not looking for somebody like that to come in on a short-term deal. We need somebody who's got something 
you know, already in in mind, forecasting what we're going to do over the next few years. We've got to stop getting out of these cycles now of, of bringing somebody into firefight for a couple of months and then sacking them afterwards. So for me, he stays. And I genuinely believe we will get out of this rut. I've seen enough so far to think we're a good team. We're in a bad run of form. I'm convinced we'll get out of it. Yeah, I was going to say that because Lee Johnson, for me, and his team, at points of this season, have shown us what they can do. So we've played... I don't know how many games up to this point, but in pretty much all of them, bar the games in the last sort of three weeks, we've played better football than I've seen us play at this level or nearly any level really for a while. And the results have matched it. And it's just been this this period that we're in now like where things have changed. And I think that means he's got enough change in the bank to, to get another go at it. Like, I'm a, I don't want to say a second chance, but it is really with a lot of people. A lot of people are saying they want rid of him. And that that evidently means they're not prepared to give him a second chance. Whereas I think we've probably seen enough from him and his team this season to suggest that it can change back to the way it was. And as fans, all we can do is sit and wait for that to happen. I mean, ultimately, we can't do anything to enact change. Really, we can't we can't go to to Kirill Louis Dreyfus and tell him to sack the manager or give him more time. He will do what he wants to do back by his sporting director. You know. And as you said, Martin, to be fair, it's an interchangeable position. If things are in another month, uh, another month's time from now, as bad as they have been in the last three or four weeks, then there will be more cause for concern. And I think there might be a change of manager if that was the case. I do think that that would be enough to get rid of him. But I do also think that the system we have in place now as a club allows us to bring in people and be more flexible. Uh, but I, I still don't think it's that extreme. I think they'll be panicking. I do. I think that Speakman and, and the owner will be sat there worried about the slide. And it's not the fact we've lost four games in five or whatever it's been. It's the manner of the, the defeats and the performances that's concerning people most. And everybody that, and like we said before, everybody then reverts to the way things used to be. It's like, we need a new manager. We need something to change. We need to rip the plan up and start again. But... I think we can all agree that things are a bit different now and that sort of thing isn't likely to happen. I mean, we don't know that for definite. Dreyfus has never sacked the manager yet, but I just don't see it. I just don't see that happening. I mean, I'd, like I say, I could see it happening in a month's time, but not now. No, I think like the, the interesting thing as well like, is, I think after the match on Saturday, Johnson said he, he really wished the Bradford game was a league game so they get back out on the field and put things right. And I actually think this two-week break which I think it will be because I think we'll chuck a, an under-23 side out against Bradford. This break will come at a really good time. I think the yeah, players just need to get away from things. I think Johnson needs to get away from things. Come back a week on Monday, even like, give, them, give them the week off and just come back, refresh, let things die down and come back and have another look at it. Because I think you, you just some, you know it's the same as any of our works, isn't it? When things are getting on top of you, you need to step away, just get a bit of perspective on it and come back in and have another go. And I think... Hopefully that that break will do everybody a, a lot of good because if we go if we went into the Ipswich game on Tuesday and got beat, then that pressure and all of that scrutiny just mounts and mounts, doesn't it? And it builds up to something that's that's you know almost impossible to to ignore. And it will be interesting yeah. to see what what Dreyfus does. Like he hasn't been in this position before. He's he's learning on the job, isn't he? Because his old man yeah. sacked plenty of managers in Marseille, so it'll be <laughs> it'll be kind of interesting to see how. How he's, you know, interpreted that, picks up on that, and 
what his natural instinct is to do, I guess. Where do you reckon on a League One budget that would send them away? I know Big Sam was always a fan of like Dubai or and stuff like that. Where where do you reckon we'd send them? Centre parks or something uh, for a week or Scarborough. <laughs> Scarborough. Cra- 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 Caravan Cra- Scarborough. <laughs> Peter Reid used to just take them out on the drink and get them lashed up, didn't he? It didn't matter like where they were. Portugal was a favourite, wasn't it? Maybe that's I don't think you can get away with that now. You can't especially considering most of our players are teenagers, it's probably a bit irresponsible. But <laughs> I, the- I remember after the um after the ninety eight playoff final, a few days after that England were playing somebody at Headingley in the cricket, and I can't remember who it was. Um but I was there at Headingley and Peter Reed was there, Mickey Gray was there and a few others, and they were just out of it, like they they were on the <laughs> on the lash all day and Mickey Gray got carried out of a tent at some point because he was just like <laughs> that, that was the way that um, that squad put put things out of the mind. Obviously, it was the end of the season, not not in the middle of the yeah, season. Yeah, well, but... I think it used to go on during the season too. I listened to a podcast last <laughs> week with uh, Michael Bridges where he talked about being like a, a teenager, being dragged around the bars by the older lads. Um, yeah. Because that was just Peter Reid's... That was his go-to. Like, if things were good, they went on the drink. If things were bad, they went on the drink, you know, and that's what worked then. Don't think, like I say, I don't think it would work so much nowadays. There's too much cameras and social media and all the rest of it, isn't it? But, but the, the, you know what? The, sorry, Gav. Like the, the point, the point with that though is that the team needs to just get away from from football, bond, have a laugh, do something, and come back to it in a few days' time. Like I think, didn't Roy Keane take them all going on the bloody river in canoes or something? Like, like, yeah, or paintball and you know whatever it is. He wrote in his book. He wrote in his book, though, didn't he? That uh, you know you're struggling when you're going paintballing. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you go paintballing in the Algarve or something. That you mix mix the two of them up. Yeah. Well, they'll, I'm sure they'll try something. It might not be as extravagant as that, but yeah. Anyways, yeah. Cheers, lads. That's a good point to end on. I think I think we've moaned enough about Sunderland tonight. Probably not as much as some people might have wanted us to, but um, we've uh, we've certainly had a few days to let our frustrations die down I think that's probably shone through tonight so yeah cheers lads thanks for joining us thanks everyone for listening in yeah we'll be back towards the weekend for for women's football weekend obviously there's no Sunland game um, but the ladies are playing so we'll be building up around that Rich will be back with a, a preview pod I think and plenty of coverage on the site so keep an eye out for that and yeah of course as always uh, make sure you check out rotereport.com because that's updated every day with plenty of good stuff and uh, yeah we'll catch you all later cheers softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's stamps.com, code PROGRAM.